Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, for your word that you've given to us. We thank you that as we read your word tonight, Father, that we gain entrance into more knowledge of who you are. We thank you that light comes, strength comes. We thank you, Father, that we're fortified. And we thank you, Father, that we learn more of who we are in Christ tonight. And we give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here with you all tonight. It's an honor to be here with you. As you all know, Dr. Rogan and Pastor Cynthia are with Dr. Jacobs in California ministering. If you haven't caught any of the lives, I recommend watching those on their website. Um, it's been an awesome meeting, and they're not done yet, so check that out. And then, yes, last night, Minister Agnes ministered a great message on grace, and then Sunday, we have Minister Caleb ministering. Don't know what he's going to minister on, but we're looking forward to that, ma'am. So tonight, we're going to continue on grace, and we're going to talk about where we find grace, where our next level of grace is found. So let's turn to 2 Timothy 1, nine. 2 Timothy 1.9. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.9. And we're going to be talking about the, the next level because grace is twofold and grace has many levels and many dimensions to it. So the Bible lets us know that we can enter into one level of grace, but there's still another level to enter into. So we're going to look at tonight, how do we get to that next level? How do we continue to grow in grace? Amen. So 2 Timothy 1, 9, and it reads, He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good that we've done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus, even before the time began. So right here we see here that we entered into grace through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And being alive and being resurrected is being alive to God. Because a lot of times people think living is just existing. No, living and really being alive is being alive to your creator, being alive to your father. And so we're going to look at that next level is found in fellowship with your creator, with your father. That the next level of grace is not found in how good you can be or how you qualify, but your next level of grace is found in the presence of God. That as we grow closer to God, we grow greater in grace because he's the God of all grace. So who else could we fellowship with to grow in grace but God himself, the God of all grace? Amen. And so we see here that when Jesus was resurrected to life, that he brought us back to life. And when Jesus was being resurrected, he was coming back in union with his father. But not only was he being brought back to union, we were being, being brought back to fellowship with Jesus and the Father. So we see that our grace is found in the presence of God. Our grace is found at the throne of grace. That we're going to get to that scripture and read that. That he says where we find grace is at his throne. Amen. So the grace of God that we need to continue to move forward, it's found in his presence. It's not found anywhere else in the world. It's not found with people. It's found in the presence of God. And so we see that, I'm going to just reread that last part. 
It says, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus, even before time began. So we see that we were called into grace before we did anything good, before we did anything bad. He said before the beginning of time. So God already planned out grace for us to walk in, grace that would take us into places that, yes, we don't belong in, that grace that would allow us to do things that we don't have the ability to do in our own strength and power. But all of that's found in the presence of God. We're not just after getting favor and grace, but our heart should be after our Father. And in the presence of our Father, we find grace. And that's what he says, when you approach the throne of grace, you'll find what you need in that time. You'll find the word that you need. You'll find the joy, the, press, you know, the presence of God that you need. You'll find peace that you need. But all of that's found in his presence. So we're not just chasers you know, of grace, but we need grace to finish. And that's found in his presence. Amen? Amen. So now let's look at Romans 5.21. Romans 5.21. And this is going to be the King James Version. Amen. And, you know, even looking back at Timothy, that it talks about how he's drawing us to himself. That God is all about drawing us near to him. And we should be all about drawing near to him. And it says he's drawing us near to him and into that holy calling. Our first calling is to be in fellowship with our Lord and Savior. It's to be in fellowship with our Father. And then the second part of that is our doing the will of God in the earth. But for both of those callings, we need the grace of God. And we see that Jesus distributed that first grace that we need, that first level of grace that we need to be welcome in God's presence. Because that takes grace to even walk, you know, to be welcome into the presence of God. That takes grace. And so we see that Jesus, he opened <laughs> this floodgate of grace to where we can go into grace after grace after grace. And so we have to understand that grace has levels to it. And we're not to just stay at that same level of grace. The grace that we needed last year is not the grace that we need this year. So that means the intimacy that we had last year with God can't stay the same this year. You know, the, our prayer time that we had last year can't stay the same this year. Our word time last year can't stay the same this year. Because we're going to see the deeper you get with God in his word and through prayer, is the more you get into intimacy with him, the more you get to know him. And through knowing him, you get to know the grace because he is the God of all grace. There's no such thing as getting to know God and you don't experience his grace because he's a good father. You know, we're going to get towards the end. It says his hand is always open to his children. He has a liberal open hand to his children, full of blessings and full of grace. But we won't find those things if we do not take the time to spend time with him. That grace is found at his throne. Grace is found in the presence of God. And so Romans 5.21, it says, So that just as sin reigned in death, so also might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see there it says grace might reign through righteousness. What is righteousness? It's right standing with God. So it's saying grace reigns through being in right standing with God. So there is no such thing as grace without the relationship. There's no such thing as grace reigning in your life if you do not have the relationship. There's no such thing as going from grace to grace without the right standing. So he's saying that right standing is causing us to go from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Amen. So as we spend time with God, we draw near to him, we're going to enter into the different facets of grace. We're going to enter into the different dimensions of what grace is. 
because gra- there's so much in grace, you know. <laughs> grace, yes, it can take you into places that, that no man could take you into, but then also grace gives you the ability to step out of sin. You know, a lot of times people use grace to be forgiven, and that's a level of grace too. But he tells us we should not stay at that same level of grace, to just keep being forgiven and forgiven, but we should go on to do greater works. So there's a level of grace for every area where we are in our life. All of us in this room, we're probably at different levels of grace. And the great thing is we get to move further in our grace. We get to move further in our relationship with God. But grace is found in right standing with God. And Jesus brought us into that right standing with God. He brought us into a good relationship, a good standing. You know, if you, we can go around the room and ask about different um, relationships, and we can ask on the status of those relationships. And there might be some people you might say, like, yeah, you know, this person might be a family member, but um, we're not that close, you know. Jesus didn't just bring us into the family. He brought us into an intimate, close relationship with God. He brought us in good standing with him. It wasn't just he brought us near him, but he brought us into good standing, a clear slate with our Heavenly Father. So now we can come boldly to his throne. We can come boldly and ask of anything that we need, demand and use our authority in the earth for the things that belong in this earth. And it's all because of the grace of God, that he's allowed us to walk in authority that we didn't have the credentials for. He's allowed us to walk in in the goodness that we can never afford. You know, one of the definitions of grace is that which affords. Grace can afford joy. Grace can afford peace. The grace of God can afford a sound mind. And so God is bringing us into different levels of grace, and it's causing us to afford the things that we could not afford in our own standing. So grace reigns through righteousness, right standing with our Father. Amen? So let's look at the next verse, John 1, 17 through 18. John 1, 17 through 18. And this is going to be in the Amplified Version. And it reads, For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's saying grace entered into this world through Jesus Christ. And it says, No one has ever seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time. And one and only begotten God, that is, the unique Son, who is the intimate presence of the Father, He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the Father. So we see here, he he first brings up Moses. Moses was only able to present the law. And the law was unattainable because of their ability. In other words, because of the grace they had in the Old Testament. Grace is also the ability to walk in what the plan of God is for your life. God had a plan for them, but they didn't have the same grace that we have in this new covenant. They didn't have the level of grace that we have in this new covenant to walk in right standing with our Father. So they were constantly being put, um, there was constant boundaries between them and and God. There was constant limitations between what God wanted to do in their life because of the law. But in this this new covenant, we have a new covenant. (laughs) And God brought us into a better covenant and into better grace, a, a, a greater grace. And so in this grace, we have the ability to fellowship with the Father. We have the ability to do the will of God in our lives. So the grace of God is not just getting what we, we, we couldn't get on our own, but it's also giving us the ability to do what we could not do in our own strength. It takes power to do good. You know, Dr. Rogan has always taught us that it takes power to do good. 
It takes grace to do good. And so we see that now we can walk in a good relationship with our Father because of the grace of God. Not, and I'm not just talking about that first level of grace that I'm being forgiven. We all needed that level. Everybody needed that level of grace. But I'm talking about the level that I'm able to walk in things that I once fell short to. I'm able now to stand up against temptations that I once was always bound to. That's the next level of grace. And we keep going from grace to grace. Then no longer are we bound to the law, to sin, to death. But now we get to rise up into a new level. And not only a new level of grace, but once again, a new level in a relationship with God. You know, Dr. Jacobs has always taught us you can be close to God as you want to be. You know, a lot of times we think about that and dream about that, but we can do it by the grace of God. We can be close to God as we want to be. We can hear him as clear as we want to hear him by the grace of God. We don't have to wonder, you know, (laughs) what his plan is for our life. We don't have to be frustrated about direction and guidance in our life because of the grace of God that allows us to walk in the ability to hear from him clearly. That takes grace to hear from God. It takes grace to walk in obedience. That no longer, you know, the Bible talks about that. Whoever you yield your, your members to, you become the servant of. And we've been graced to yield our members back to God. We've been graced to be able to serve him, to honor him. You know, Dr. Rogan said that this morning, that grace and honor, they go together. That it's impossible to, to separate the two. But a lot of times this new, the, the world has tried to separate the two. That you can just get the grace of God and then dishonor him right after. That's not the grace that we want. That's not the grace that's going to take you to the next level. That kind of grace will keep you at a low level. So honor and grace have to go hand in hand. That once I get one level of grace, I honor him. I give, what's, I owe, I give back what's due to him because of what he's done for me. And so we want to go from grace to grace. This church, you know, the prophecy book, we, we have a lot of words in here that's going to take the grace of God. But how do we get into these things? It's going to take prayer. It's going to take truth about what grace is. Because there's a lot of doctrines out there about grace, and they're, they're twisting the truth of what grace really is or how far grace can go or how deep grace is. And so we have to stay in prayer. We have to stay in the truth to enter into those next levels of grace. You know, it takes more than just hearing the word. It takes doing it. That's how you get into the next level of grace. You know, we, we, we want to hear about this, you know, grace, and it's a great message. And it, it brings freedom to understand that, hey, I'm not in this alone, but we also have to keep in mind that I have to walk in obedience to enter into that next level. That obedience goes hand in hand with grace also. And it's by grace I can be obedient and obey the, the, the steps that he's telling me to take. So let's look at this next verse. Um, or we're still in here. John 1, 17 through 18, for those that might have missed that, in the Amplified Version. And we see that he's talking about this undeserved grace. And also he talks about how Jesus, you know, that's a great thing that Jesus came, he revealed what grace looked like, but he also revealed the intimacy with God. We're going to read in that Jesus also, it said he grew in grace. How did Jesus grow in grace? As a child, it said he was in prayer. He was in the synagogues. So we see that Jesus grew in grace because he had a close, intimate relationship with his father. Grace wasn't just upon him because he was Jesus, but Jesus himself even sought out a relationship with his heavenly father. He didn't just rely on, you know, my, God, you know, my father's in heaven. We were close like this in the beginning of time. Like, no, he still pursued him. And sometimes, you know, because we understand that in natural relationships, we want to be in relationships where we still take the time 
to, to get to know one another, right? We don't want people that they knew me back then and they, that's enough. Yeah, I've, I've known them. I've spent enough time with them. Uh, on to the next. No, a relationship, it takes a lifetime. And so we see that Jesus, he didn't omit himself from getting to know his father just because he was with him from the beginning of times. As a child, he was about his father's business. He was being obedient. He was in the word. He was asking questions. He was meditating on the word. And then it said he grew up in grace. And then he became the image of grace in the earth. He became the image of his father in the earth. It said he began to interpret his love to other people. Because the world can't comprehend light. The world can't comprehend the love of God. And it took a man, it took his only begotten son to come down and interpret the grace of God. Interpret the love of God. And that's what Jesus came to do to show us this grace, to show us what it can do. Jesus couldn't have finished what he was called to do without the grace of God. Because it said he came in man form. So if we know that he was a man, we're going to see that. He was tempted on all sides, just like we are. Because sometimes people say, like, oh, no, Jesus was just able to do that because he was the son of God. No, it said he knows our temptations. He knows what it feels like to have weaknesses in a human form. But we see that he also exemplified that he was able to fulfill and finish the calling of God on his life that brought many back to the Father, that brought many back into the grace of God. So the grace that God has put on this church, he wants to take us into deeper things. He wants to take us into greater things. The things that we see financially, it's not just about having the money, but it's about showing how good our Father is. It's about bringing glory back to his name. So God has much grace, great grace upon this church. So we should be expecting great grace happening in our lives, in our minds. Once again, grace can afford a sound mind. That we, we need the great grace. We need peace. And that's what grace can afford. And so God is calling us into this great grace, great power, and great change. But we have to start doing our part in the intimacy. That we have to keep seeking him if we want to grow in grace. If we want to reach those deeper depths of what grace can do on the inside, mentally, spiritually, and physically, that grace can touch every aspect of your life, but it's going to take us seeking after him. And so we see that Jesus, he came, he revealed the mindset of the Father. He came and revealed the heart of the Father. So now that we can know without a doubt, because of what Jesus did, he demonstrated. <laughs> he demonstrated the love of God. So now we can always point back to that crucifixion, that same power that raised him from the dead. It's alive and it's working in us. It's alive and it's working in this church. And it's the grace of God that's allowing us to pull on that power. It's the grace of God that's keeping us in right standing with our Heavenly Father. And so now we can go out. We can abstain from sin. We don't have to fall to that because, you know, sin, all, it, all sin is designated to do is to keep us separated from our Father. But once again, people stay at that same level of grace. I'm forgiven, and it's true. But God wants to do so much more. He wants to demonstrate so much more. So we have to get past those baby steps of grace and get into the deeper levels, and it's through intimacy with the Father. And so let's look at the next verse, Luke 2, verse 52. Luke 2, verse 52. You know, Jesus made, made all the riches of heaven attainable. He made all the gifts of God attainable. And grace is a gift. It's an undeserved gift. And he made that obtainable for us. In the old covenant, they had a lot of things that they could look at, but they couldn't obtain it. 
But in this new covenant, we can look at and obtain what God has promised for us. You know, we get to experience it in the land of the living. We get to take hold of that great grace and great power and great change. We get to see it in this day and this age. We don't have to push off things because we're going to even see that, that the grace of God wants to accelerate things. It wants to bring new things into our life, fresh things at his pace, not ours. But once again, it comes back to the intimacy with the Father. Because then I won't doubt the grace. I won't doubt the levels. I won't doubt if I can do this, if I can't do that. Because I understand the grace. I understand his power. I look at his power, not my strength. And that's what grace is. And you know, he said he gives grace to the humble. It's going to take people that understand that I need, they acknowledge I need the grace of God. I need the power of God. I need his help in my life. That we should never get to a point in our, our lives that we have become holy on our own. That we've become righteous on our own. That we've become right standing with the Father on our own. Because the person that gets to that level exempts themselves from the grace of God. But those that humble themselves, that wait on the Lord, that, Father, I need you for every step of my life. I need you for every day of my life. Those people enter into the deeper depths of grace. But when we start to feel like I can do this, I got this, I'm like, okay, I've got a hang of this now. <laughs> got a hang of this thing. We start to miss out on the depths of grace. But when we keep acknowledging that, yes, you know, I'm, I'm maturing, but I still need the grace of God. I am maturing, but I still need the help of God. So we still have to stay in a place that, Father, I need you. No matter how successful I get, no matter how far you take me, no matter how many doors you open, I still need your grace. I still need your help. No matter how many promotions I get, I still need your grace. I still need your help. And that kind of person will stay humbled. And also, a humble person has actions. A humble person is somebody that submits themselves to the word. It's somebody that submits themselves to prayer. Because once again, prayer, it's not just a religious act. Prayer is inviting God to intervene in your life. Prayer is communion with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is using your authority. Prayer is accepting your position as a priestlyhood. Prayer is accepting our, our position as a house of prayer. So prayer is not just a religious act. It's what he's called us to do. It's what he expects us to walk in. So a person that walks once again honor and obedience, it goes with grace. I cannot omit being obedient to our calling. He said we're to be called a peculiar people, a holy priesthood. And so if I try to receive the grace without being that priesthood, I'm going to stay and limit myself at that lesser level of grace. Because once again, he said grace is found at the throne of grace. How do you enter to the throne of grace? It's through worship. It's through prayer. It's through, you know, meditating on the word that you enter into those places. It's not just because you're a Christian. No, it's those that actually seek him, that love him back. You know, there's a difference between God loving you and you loving him back. Those are two different lifestyles. And those are two different graces. You know, that is a grace that I'm loved by God. But that's a whole other grace that I can love him back. And then my actions show that. And so God wants to take us into the deeper levels of grace. And it's, it's found being close with him. And so let's look at this next verse, Luke 5, 52. Luke 5, 52. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. I heard y'all say five. <laughs> but Luke 
chapter 2, verse 52. And it reads, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. He was seeking after the ways of God. He was seeking after the way God did things, the way he judged things, the way he moved in the earth. He was seeking after the understanding of God. Because he said, with all that getting, get understanding, get wisdom. So with your grace, you're going to need wisdom. Grace is nothing if you don't understand how it works, how it's obtained, how it's kept. That God can bless us with all the riches, and he already has, and that's the problem. That he said that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, and it's not that knowledge is not being presented he said that they're rejecting it. So those are people that are sitting right in the church hearing the word, but they reject the truth. Or it says their ears begin to itch for a new doctrine. We've already heard that message. We already heard this. This is a, How many times is he going to preach on honor? Those kind of people, they're rejecting knowledge. So we see that Jesus, he grew in wisdom. He stuck with the basics. He stuck with the same message. He stuck with the same word. He kept growing in it. You know, because that's the thing. You know, a lot of times people think excelling... Um, spiritually in the word is getting a whole new message, a whole new doctrine. No, it, you, can, you can get so much out of one scripture. And that's, that's grace. And that's what God wants, that you can go to my word, maybe one passage, one scripture, and you can keep reading and get new depths, new understanding. And so he says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus himself grew in it. He didn't just come in the fullness of grace. He grew in it. And so we have to understand that grace is something we're to grow in, not to just stop it. I've got this, you know, I've got this happening in my life. This is great. No, there's a new level. And we have to be people that are seeking that, those new dimensions, those new levels, that we want the more. We want to see the abundantly unmeasurable power of God working in our lives. Yes. You know, he said, because when you come and ask him anything, he said, I will always do above, exceedingly above whatever you came and asked for. And that's a part of that grace that I can get more than what I asked for. He said, what you even imagine, I can do exceedingly above that. So the grace of God, there's depths to it. There's dimensions, there's levels to it. But it's going to take knowledge and understanding of how to work in those things, how to function in it. It's going to take more than just hearing the word, but once again, you have to do it. We can't reject the knowledge. We can't reject the correction. Because how do we get in more grace? You've got to move with correction. Promotion comes from receiving correction if you keep doing the same thing you're going to stay at the same level but if I'm making the changes I'm going from grace to grace I'm going from glory to glory and it's not by my own strength or power but by his he says his glory his grace it's sufficient it's made powerful in our weaknesses so once again I go back to I, I can acknowledge I have weaknesses in my life but that's why you know Paul said I, I glorify and my weaknesses, because why he's so close with the Father, that I can bring him my weaknesses, and I come out surged with the power of God yes. to do good, to do the will of God. Yes. So those that understand how grace works, that understand when I do have a weakness, I don't go into anxiety. I don't go into freaking out, but I go to the throne of grace. I go into the intimate place with my Father, and I come out with a greater measure, with a greater understanding, with greater power working for me when I understand that. You know, you can see that even in the chapter where that we got that word from great grace in Acts 4, that the church, before, before that was declared on them, they were in prayer. 
because they were threatened at that time. The disciples were threatened about doing miracles and about preaching. So they gathered them together. And in that story, they were using the name of Jesus. And so they gathered them up and they threatened them. Don't, you know, not, you don't have to stop doing miracles, but quit preaching that name. <laughs> they wanted them to quit preaching the name of Jesus. And so it said that they gave them so many threatenings that those disciples took those threatenings. It said they went back to their company. And it said they began to shout out with one voice unto the Father. So that means that they approached the throne of grace with the threatenings. They approached the throne of grace with their pressure, with their problems. You know, because we don't, we've, you know, and we thank God that we don't know what that's like for this whole church to be, you know, threatened with our life. If you keep preaching, (laughs) the name of Jesus, but they were under that pressure, and they didn't go flee, like, okay, shoot, let me get out of here. No, they, they went together, and in faith, and they started to cry out to their father, the God of all grace, and it said that he heard them, and it said they, they in return, there was a response that they began to preach boldly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They kept preaching the name of Jesus, and then it said, then great grace was among them. So we see that it was through the intimacy, it was through their prayer, it was through preaching the gospel and doing the the gospel. They were doing the word when they went into prayer. They were doing the word when they kept preaching the word against persecution. So there was another level of grace because that's another level of pressure. That was another level of threatening. So there's a grace for each level of threatening, of pressure. There's a new grace for that. So when things get harder, you have to realize there's a grace that matches and supersedes that. And that's what they experienced, that they needed that great grace because that was a great threatening. And so they needed the great grace of, of God in that time. And so we see that God, there's different levels to the grace of God, but it goes to going and coming and continually coming to the throne of grace. That God shouldn't just see us one time a week. God shouldn't, I'm, I'm not just talking about in the church, I'm talking about in, in your private time. That God shouldn't just see us a few times a day but he should continually see our face. Even if that's meditating on the word. He said, when you behold the word, you become face to face with me. So that doesn't mean you have to go into your prayer closet all day. It might take that. But sometimes it's just meditating, rehearsing the scripture in your mind. And that's getting face to face with him. Beholding his image. But he also warns those that just read it. You know, meditating and, and renewing your mind is not just reading the scripture, doing your daily Done. No, he said those that become a doer of it, yeah. you're going to experience the, the word becoming alive and powerful in your life. Amen. Amen. And so we, once again, we, we can't reject knowledge if we want to get into this great grace. We can't just be hearers only if we want to get into this great grace. We can't just be worshipers during service. It has to be our lifestyle. Yeah. We have to get intimate with him, wanting and hungering. He said those that hunger and thirst, they will be filled. So we have to stay hungry. We have to stay hungry for the presence of God. And in that, we experience great grace. We experience the next level of grace. Every, you know, because, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, there was a grace that we needed for the Madison Church, and God fulfilled that and supplied that. And now there's a, a location here that God wants to be fulfilled and built. And there's going to take another level of grace for that. Our pastors are going to need another level of grace for that. And so we have to continually be approaching the throne of grace if we want to receive that next level of grace. It's not just going to come just because we're here. It's because we're actually entering in. We're actually being a doer. We're actually receiving it, meditating it, 
And then we get into that new level of grace. Amen? Amen. And so let's look at um, Luke 6, 32 and 33. You know, because we want to we cover, you know, there's still more to this, this revelation, grace. But we also don't want to discount ourselves from this grace. You'd be ignorant about what discounts us. And so to stay in grace, we have to stay in forgiveness and love also. Not only do we need to stay in prayer and in the wisdom. And when you do that, you'll automatically begin to walk in the love of God. You know, love is not a hard thing. Once you spend time with God, that becomes who you are because that's who he is. So as you spend time with God, and like Jesus, that's what happened. He said, I only do what I see my father do. And so through his, his intimate time with the father, it just became him when he went out to the earth. It wasn't him trying to put on, you know, projecting the father. It was who he was, the son of God. So because he was so close with him, just like the disciples, <laughs> When they went out to preach, they said these were unlearned, uneducated men, but they said we could tell that he's been with, they've been with Jesus by the works that they were doing, by the character they brought, by the power, the demonstrations they begin to walk in. So when we, get, we spend time with God, these things are not a hard thing. They just become a part of who we are because that is who we are. He said we were made in his image and likeness, so love should be a part of our nature. The love of God, not human love, not family love, not friendship love, the agape love. That's the kind of love God wants us to walk in. And so, uh, Luke, I already said it, Luke 6. Okay, man, you guys are there. So Luke 6, 32 through 33. It says, for if you love them which love you, what thank have you? And guess what that word thank means? Grace. (laughs) It means grace. So let's read it with that word translated. For if you love or only love those that love you, what grace is that? What kind of grace is that? (laughs) Let's keep reading. For sinners also love those that love them. It's easy to be nice to people that are nice to you, that love you. So he says, and if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? So he's saying if you're only repaying good for good, what kind of grace is that? What level of grace is that? And then he says... We, okay, for sinners also do even the same. So we have to understand that grace, it is for getting what belongs. It is for entering and opening doors. But that same grace is also for walking in love. Yeah. Jesus demonstrated that. That he showed us the love of God even on the cross. He showed it to the greatest measure. That took great grace to demonstrate that great love. So whatever measure of love you need, it's in the grace. Your grace can afford loving that person. Your grace can afford being kind to those that aren't kind to you. Your grace can afford doing good to those that have no intention of ever doing good to you. Your grace can afford that. And that's a rich person. A person that's rich in love, that's rich in grace, that that however people treat me, it doesn't doesn't mess with me. That's richness. That's grace. And so we have to see that he's, he's giving us the dimensions of grace. Grace is not just for opening the doors, but it's keeping my heart pure. Because I need my heart pure to, to, to fellowship with him. Amen. So if I need to forgive, I'm doing it. Because I'm not canceling myself from approaching the throne of grace. Because he said he, he won't hear your prayers. We, we need our prayer life to be heard. Yes. We need our prayer life to be active. And if we as the body of Christ, as children, are, are tripping at those elementary things of, of forgiving, then we won't get into that great grace. God wants us to enter into those great grace, those greater levels. 
But we have to make sure we keep our hearts pure because that's where we believe. That's where we trust in God. And so when we let those walls come up between us and our Father, we're not going to experience those things. We're not going to find pleasure. And that was another definition. It said grace can afford pleasure. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, you can see that today, a lot of um, mental illnesses and suicide where people, they're not find, finding pleasure in living. They're not finding pleasure in being alive. But he said that this grace can afford the pleasure to enjoy your days. There's grace for you to enjoy your day. Not that your day was enjoyable because <laughs> you wouldn't need grace. But he says <laughs> grace is for even the unpleasant people. Grace is for the unpleasant days. Grace is for the great threats. Grace is for the persecution. And so he says we can find grace at, at the throne of grace from the God of all grace. Because grace, we need all the grace in every area of our lives. So once again, he's saying here, what kind of grace is that if we're doing the same things the godless people are doing? What kind of grace is that if we're doing the same thing as people with no father? What kind of grace is that that we're doing the same thing with people without hope, without the glory, without a resurrection, (laughs) without the name of Jesus? What kind of grace is that? That they, these are people without a covenant, and we're doing the same thing. What kind of grace is that? So he's saying that we need to enter into that greater grace. Grace will allow us to walk in love. Grace will allow us to do good. Grace will allow us, it can afford to forgive. Because some people act like they're, they, they're too broke to forgive. No, we can afford to forgive. We can afford to move with God, to walk with God. Amen? That he, he's given us the ability to afford whatever we need emotionally, mentally. Amen? And so let's look at, um, well, let me write, you can just write this down, um, just for the sake of time. Um, Titus 2, 11 through 12. Titus 2, 11 through 12. And I'm just going to read it real quick, and I'm going to give you another one to write down. Okay, because we've got a lot to cover. Okay, <laughs> okay so Titus 2, 11 through 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So he's talking about there's that level that is offering salvation to all people. It says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live in self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it says grace can teach you how to say no. So if there's the temptation in your emotions, grace will teach you how to say no. If there's a temptation in your, your body to do different things, there's a grace to say no. There's a grace that it can afford to say no, because sometimes people feel like they can't say no because they're going to miss out. No, grace can afford you to say no to that. Even if it's a business deal that God doesn't want you to take, grace can afford to say no to that. Grace can afford you that you don't have to rip and run and wear yourself out trying to do a lot of deals. Grace can afford that. So grace gives us the power to say no to ungodliness, to things that don't belong in our life, to things that God doesn't want us to touch. And it doesn't have to be necessarily evil things. It can just, once again, it's just something God just said, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go there. And grace affords us to say no, and it teaches us to say no. So grace, once again, that's another level. That's another dimension. It's the ability to say no to sin. It's the ability to say no to something that's going to block my relationship with God. And that's all that sin is. It's, it's things that be, be build a wall between you and God. So grace teaches us to say no. Amen? And then nextly, you can write down Romans 6, 14 through 15. 
And this is the scripture he begins to talk about. Uh, well, I'll just read it. For sin will no longer be a master over you, since we are not under the law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under God's grace? Certainly not. And once again, that's the mindset of a lot of people in the world. Because I have the grace of God, I can do what I want, be where I want, and grace covers me. The grace of God does cover you, but he says once we experience that grace, we need to go to the next level of grace. There's so much more to do. God didn't just die for us so we can keep sinning and then be delivered. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to keep delivering us from the same sin. He wants us to go into greater measures. He wants us to go into greater plans of God. But we have to get into the mindset, grace is more than just being forgiven. Grace is deeper than me just repeating this sin. Great wants, grace wants to do so much more in my life. So the grace of God teaches us how to say no. The grace of God allows us to walk into deeper levels and measures with our relationship with God. Because once again, it's that first level of grace that I can keep approaching the throne of grace. I can keep coming to him. And he says he, he, he'll give me whatever I need. He says, before you even ask, I know what you have need of. So we need this relationship. We need this intimacy with God. So let's go to this next verse. We'll actually turn here. 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. This is the King James. Second Peter 3.18 in the King James Version. Amen. It says, as also in all his epistles, he's talking about Paul, speaking to them in these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle with, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So right here, once again, we're going to see that it's, you, grace has to be accompanied with knowledge. So he's saying that these are people that they're hearing the word, they're struggling with understanding it, and once it, you know, there's, there's, you'll enter into different levels of understanding, but the gospel is truly simple. And so if you're struggling with understanding the word, there's something there hindering you understanding it, you know. Not saying you'll understand the whole Bible, but what God wants you to know in your season, you should be able to understand that because God's given it to you for a reason. And so when we're struggling with understanding, you know, because I realize that, there, I realize that people can be in the, the same same services, and in, in not really getting the word. And that has to go back to your obedience outside. Because there, there, there's something wrong, and spiritually wrong, and also that's a spirit, when you cannot hear the word, and it's broken down simple to you. When you can't understand that there's something you're doing that's blocking and hindering you from seeing and understanding. And, and the part of that is disobedience. But when you begin to have the heart of obedience, the words will, will come clear to you. There will be understanding there. And once again, I'm not saying that you'll understand the whole Bible because there's, you know, some scriptures that even for me, it's like, okay, I'm still working with the deeper revelation of that. So I'm not saying that you should be able to interpret every scripture right now at the level you're at, but I'm saying the simple foundation teachings of God, we should understand that. When our pastor's preaching to us, we should understand at least one thing he's saying, you know. And if we don't, how do you get into more of that? Go home and study it. Because he says, if you do something with what measure you do have, I'll give you more. But if you do nothing with what you do have, that will be taken from you. And so that's another problem. People are not meditating on the word when they receive it. 
So when they come back from the next service, no, you're still in that last message. <laughs> you're not ready to hear the next message. And so we have to understand, we have to do and move with the word. So when people are not able to move and understand, it means there's some type of hindrance there. It could be spiritual. And once again, most of the time it's disobedience. Because the word he said is for his children. So if I'm his child, why am I not receiving what's for me? It's something on my side I'm doing. And so let's keep reading here. But he's saying they're, they're wrestling with the scripture to their own destruction. So they're hearing what they need to do. They're hearing the word, but they're, they're wrestling with it. They're fighting with it. And sometimes we can do that, that God is even speaking. You know, it can be a word from heaven, not even necessarily a scripture. But God is telling you to do something, and you can wrestle with that on the inside of you. And he says when you do that, that's going to be for your own destruction. Because he said he said his word and delivered them. So the word is always going to help you go into the new level of deliverance. The word is always going to help you go into a new level of grace. So we need the word. We need understanding. We need it. And so let's keep reading here. It says, verse 17, And ye therefore, beloved, see and you know these things before. Beware lest ye shall also be led away with the error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfast. So he's saying, in you know, another translation, he was basically saying, hold fast to what you know, because you, there's grace attached to that. Hold fast to what you know and keep growing. And then that next, uh, the next verse, verse 18, it says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge to know him. You know, that word to know also means yada, and that word yada means intimacy. So when he's saying know God, understand the knowledge of God. He's talking about intimacy. So he's saying grow in grace and in knowledge. In other words, grow in intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So, you know, and, and that's a cool, that, that scripture right there, it's talking about the unlearned. Dr. Jacobs has always talked about that too with, um, even with angels and deliverance, that we do not want to stay in the room of the unlearned. That that's a room you can be in while in the church. And we don't want to ever be in the room of the unlearned, inside the room of, of a service. And once again, how do we get out of that room? A great way is obedience. Once again, there's something I need to change to understand. Or even, once again, because if you're saved, because a lot of times people can't understand the word also is because they're not saved. So they can't, when they read this, and they can't, they wrestle with it too. Unsaved people will wrestle with scriptures because they don't understand. They'll try to tell you what you read is wrong or whatever. Uh, it was funny. I think it was, was it Lauren. Uh, we were talking about, um, oh, we read the scripture about how people have a formly, form of godliness, um, but not deny the power. And so I was telling them how, um, so example of that, that may be somebody that say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. You're denying the power <laughs> because the power was worked and, and raised in Jesus Christ. So if I say I believe in God, but I don't believe in his son, that he worked his power in and resurrected, and then he, he showed himself through, then I'm, I'm trying to act like I'm godly, but I'm denying the power. And so I think you know, Lauren's like, they must not have read the Bible. Then I was like, yeah, that's right, Lauren. They have not read the Bible <laughs> if, they're saying, if they're saying they don't believe in Jesus. So once again, we have, to, we have to receive the knowledge. Not saying we have to do a whole deep dive study, but work with the word that God is working with you. Take that one word and work it. Meditate on it. You don't have to read the whole Bible, but take that word, meditate on it, and there's a grace attached to it. Once you receive it, work with it, move with it. Do not stay in the room of the unlearned. There's no reason we should stay there. We, we get very rich word here in our church, and so there's no reason for us to stay in the room of the unlearned. Amen? 
Uh, next verse, 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1. Amen. You guys are doing great. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1. Second Timothy 2, 1. Amen. And um, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Because we know that Paul, he's understand, he understands the grace of God. You know, he's walked in it for some time. And now he's encouraging Timothy, a younger minister in the word. And this is what he says in his encouragement. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. Because Timothy was, was going through the, the pressures of being a young minister and ministering to the congregation. So he was saying, don't let them despise your youth, but instead flow in the grace. Because grace can afford you to walk in your ministry. Grace can afford you to preach the gospel. And so he, he continues to encourage him, which is your true strength. That, you know, even in our lives, there might be things that we think we need to be the right age to do. Your age is not your strength. The grace of God is your strength. And so he says, which is your true strength? Found in the anointing of Jesus Christ and your union with him. Where is it found? In Jesus Christ and in the union. He's saying that freely flowing grace, it's found in the union. It's not found anywhere else in the world. That freely given gift, that unmerited gift, it's found in the union with Jesus Christ and our Father. Now let's go to um, Psalms 145. 15 through 21, and then we're, we're about to wrap things up here, amen. So that's Psalms 145, 15 through 21. Psalms 45, I'm sorry, Psalms 145, 145. Psalms 145, verse 15 through 21. Amen. And this has been just a loaded scripture passage right here. So even, you know, even this word that you're hearing tonight or even throughout the week, just take one scripture that God is really stirring in your heart. Take it home. Meditate on it. Get it embedded in your heart and mind, and God will show you the graces of that scripture. Because these scriptures are empowered. They're alive. They're quick. So whatever we need them to become alive in our life, they'll, they'll be that. But we have to give it space and time to work in our minds, to work in our hearts. That Just hearing this message is not enough. Just hearing any message is not enough. We have to take time and be intimate with the word. Amen. So Psalms 145, 15 through 21. It says, you have captured our attention and the eyes of all who look to you. You give what they hunger for at the, just the right time. And this is a passion. I'm sorry. Uh, when you open your generous hand, it's full of blessing, satisfying the longings of every living thing. You are fair and righteous in everything you do, and your love is wrapped in all your works. Verse 18, you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. So right there we see he's drawing near to those that are calling out. We, we have to step up in our role of being a house of prayer. He's saying those that are calling out, I'll hear you. We're not going to enter into those next level of grace that we need for Brentwood and Madison without calling on his name concerning these prophecies, Amen. concerning the scriptures. You know, so he's saying, I hear closely to what you're saying. That's a great thing about God and that he reveals to us in his word that he says he's not a deaf God, that there's many gods that they created in the Old Testament and said they had ears, but they were deaf. But our God is not deaf and he's not a man that he shall lie. So when we're praying to him, he has ears that are, can hear 
that can hear your heart, that can hear your prayer, that can hear your petition. And then he says there will be responses back into the earth, thunders and lightnings and voices back into the earth. That there, there, there's angelic movement that happens when we call upon the name of the Lord. There's grace that we need, but we have to keep calling upon the name of the Lord. We have to keep approaching the throne of grace. We cannot neglect that throne of grace because who was it made for? It was made for us, you know? And that's a, you know, a sad thing, you know, because mothers might know this. Like if you make a meal, you make it for your children, they're not approaching that dish. <laughs> that's a sad day, okay? And so we see that God made something specifically for his children, the throne of grace. It's not for the angels. It's not for the trees. It's not for your dogs. It's not for any other creation. It's for his children. So we should be continually approaching the throne of grace, that, Father, you have what I need. You have what I need, or you, and you have the power, the grace, to move what I need in the earth. Amen? And so we should continually letting him hear our voice. And that's also in Psalms, that you'll hear my voice when I wake up. You'll hear my praise when I wake up. You're, you'll, you, there won't be a day that you go without hearing me call upon your name. And that's the, the intimate relationship we should have with him. And so verse 19, it says, um, well, no, I stopped verse 18. I'm going to keep reading that. It says, you draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. Every godly one receives even more than what they ask for. You receive even more than what you ask for. How much are you demanding? How much are you asking? If you have not, you've asked not. And if you've been asking and you ain't been getting, there's something you need to change. <laughs> so he's saying, what you ask, you'll always get more than what you ask for. God is not a God of a little bit. He's not giving out little measurements of blessings. He says he's a God of overflow. He's a God of abundance. So when we come demanding and, and, and asking to receive what we need in our lives, he says he'll do above exceedingly what we ask for. And let's keep reading. It says, for you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them to your saving strength. God, you watch carefully over all your devoted lovers like a bodyguard but you will destroy the ungodly. Verse 21, I will praise you, Lord. Let everyone everywhere join me in praising the beautiful Lord of holiness from now through eternity. We, we have to be a people of prayer and praise. God's ears are for hearing his children. He hears us. And he says he's hearing your heart. Because sometimes you might not even have the words perfectly formed out, but he hears your heart. And that's why he's also given us the gift to pray in the Spirit. Because he says sometimes you don't even know what to pray. But he said when you pray in the Spirit, you begin. And he said when you pray in the Spirit, who are you praying to? God. That, that language is not just to speak randomly to anything and to anybody. That language is to speak to your Heavenly Father. We can see how much God wants to communicate with us. He made a language specifically for us to talk to him in, in a perfect manner. Because sometimes you can even have that in your natural relationships. I just don't know what to say to this person. I don't know how to express. And, and sometimes we can get like that with our Heavenly Father. So he says, I've given you a language when you don't know how to utter it. I give you a language to pray in the Spirit. And you're speaking directly to me. You're speaking the perfect prayer. And I'll hear you. And so we have to see that God wants to speak to us. God wants to hear from us. He's designed so many avenues for us to hear from us. And God, and once we get into that, that, those different avenues, we step into those deeper levels of grace. There's a grace for every situation. There's a grace for every level in your life. There's a grace for every area of your life. 
Amen? And um, let's see here. And that last part, don't forget to praise him. You're not done praying if you don't praise him. And once you go out of prayer, keep your, 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 your language right. Amen. You know, you can't speak against what you went in praying for. Amen. So I, my, my language needs to keep matching what I just prayed for. Amen. And I can't keep speaking the doubt or speaking what I'm saying. You have to keep speaking what you just prayed. You know? I think even Pastor Nancy gave us that word about parents with their children. And she said, quit speaking what you're seeing them do, but begin to pray for them, that love and faith surround them. So when I go into prayer, God knows exactly what your children need. God knows the grace that they need, and he'll meet you there at the throne of grace. But we have to continue to speak right after we get out of prayer. That might be another reason why some people's prayers don't work, because we're, we're switching it up. No, he says I'm still, he still listens to our hearts after we leave prayer. And so we should still be speaking the same thing and praising him, that, Father, you heard me, that you heard me. And that's what Jesus thanked God for. He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. He didn't say, Father, I thank you that you always multiply bread. Father, I thank you that you do so many miracles. He said, no, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. He was in a whole other location for the first time from his father. And he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. No matter where I am in spirit and location, Father, you always hear me. So we need to keep using that grace that we can approach his throne without physically being in heaven. That, Father, you always hear me. Amen. And write this down, Ezekiel 34, 26 through 28. Ezekiel 34, 26 through 28. And I'm just going to read, this is a commentary for Benson, um, from the Benson translation, so you can just listen. But I encourage you to go back and read those verses, and then you can even look up this commentary yourself. But this is Ezekiel 34, 26 through 28. It says, I will make them in the places round about my hill a blessing. How do we approach this hill through our prayer life? I will, uh, I will there give remarkable instances of my favor. Remarkable. Something's remarkable. It's, it's, it's beyond your words. It's beyond what you imagined. It's remarkable. So he says, there I will give remarkable instances of my favor, the joy and happiness which flows from it. So joy and happiness is found at this hill, which is the presence of God. And he says, God's hill is the same as his holy mountain. There will be blessings in great abundance, showers of blessings of all sorts. There shall be great fertility and plenty in every part of that land. They shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. The experience of my particular care over them shall inspire them with that confidence in me, which shall preserve them from all fears and anxieties. And that's awesome, that at his throne, there's also the deliverance of fears. He says, I'll deliver you from all your fears. That takes grace. And he says that, that that's found when I completely trust him. Your trust in him is a shield. He said, I'll be your shield and your great buckler, that he'll shield us from, uh, from the thoughts that try to come. You're, you're going to miss out on this. This person, your family is not going to make it. This person, this is going to happen to you. You're never going to reach this. You're never going to do this. This is going to happen. The, the, the economy is doing this. This is happening in the government. He's protecting us from all our fears. And that's found in his presence. And so when I, I get confident in his presence, I begin to walk in the deeper graces, and that's where I find, he says, remarkable instances of favor. 
that God has so many thoughts about you, that, and that's a great thing, that we are the object of God's love. God created us to love us. He didn't create you to hate you, to give you less than. He didn't create you just to drop you off. No, <laughs> he's a good father. He didn't create us just to walk away. He's a good father. And he has good thoughts about us. He has great thoughts about us. And he wants us to receive his grace. He wants us to receive his mercies. That we are the object of his love. We are what he wakes up and thinks about every day. So God has great things he wants to do in your life. God has great graces that he wants to reveal in your life like we've never seen before. There's great graces he wants to do with this church. But we have to keep approaching. Amen. Last verse, uh, Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Amen. Hebrews 4.16, and this is the Amplified. Hebrews 4.16. Amen. You guys getting something? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hebrews 4.16. Even if you don't feel like it, just confess it by faith. I got something, okay? (laughs) Hebrews 4.16. And it says, well, verse 15, actually. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and, and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy from all our failures, and find his amazing grace to help in the time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right time. That's all that's waiting on you at the throne of grace. If we're, we're missing and lacking things in our life, we haven't been approaching right and with knowledge. Because prayer, you have to take the will of God into prayer. Prayer is not just praying, flinging anything out there. It's praying the will of God. And so all of this is waiting for you at the throne of grace. So every day we should be excited to wake up. He said it's a privilege that a lot of people wake up every day to work, to to hustle for what they need. But we can wake up and speak with boldness, with confidence to our Heavenly Father. And we find grace that we need just at the right time. We find the help that we need just at the right time. So we should not be silent when it comes to speaking to our Father. Because we serve a good God. We serve an awesome God. And he wants to continue to hear from us. He wants to continue to do great things in our church. That he's called this church a mighty tree. He's called us to do a great and mighty work. He's called us to be a place of healing. But if we don't even study healing, how can he do that? If we don't even worship him as a healer, how can he do that? There's a grace for this church to be a great church in Nashville and in Brentwood. But we have to keep approaching the throne of grace. Amen? Amen. Amen.